wise mentality, Matthew chapter 2, please. Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. May the Lord's blessing to the reading of his word. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, next few moments, I pray that you help me to think clearly, to speak clearly. May your word go forth with power. I pray, Lord, that I would be hidden behind this wonderful truths of these men who came to worship. May we be about worshiping you this coming year. We thank you for the Christ child who came, life-changing. One baby born into our world changed things forever. And Lord, if there be those who do not know you as personal Savior today, I pray they would come to know you. Whom to know right is life eternal. So Lord, I pray that you work in all of our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We'll talk today about wisdom, a wise mentality. Do you have this morning a wise mentality? Now, I'm not talking about knowledge. Never mistake knowledge for wisdom. One helps you make a living. The other helps you make a life. Someone has said. And regarding knowledge, there is, uh, of course, we know there was Albert Einstein who had an IQ of about 160. How does that correlate today? Well, uh, Bill Gates, about 151.45. Uh, Elon Musk, approximately 150. That's his IQ. There is uh, a gentleman in, uh, I think it's Europe, has 198. IQ. There is a Nathan Leopold who has a 200 IQ he used for nefarious purposes. And then there is a lady, her last name is Savant actually, and she has an IQ of 230. And there is a prodigy boy genius in Europe that has an IQ of 263. 200, just like boggles my mind. And so I think average is 90 to 110, so if you, about where we are, I'm on like on the 90.1, maybe. I don't know if I'm that far up or not. I don't know. We're hopefully, I'd like to think I'm at least at the 90 point something. I don't know. But we're not talking about knowledge. We're talking about wisdom. The Bible is a book of wisdom. In the Bible times, there was Enoch and Noah who had enough wisdom to follow God and escape the flood. In Bible times, there was Ruth, who had enough wisdom to tell her mother-in-law, Naomi, for whether thou goest, I will go, whether thou lodgest, I will lodge, thy people shall be my people, and thy God, my God. She ends up in the line of Jesus, of all things. Her sister-in-law, Orpah, however, went back to her family and her idolatry. There's Andrew who had wisdom enough to bring people to the Lord. There's David who had wisdom enough to say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. There is Martha who had wisdom enough to host Jesus in her house. There is uh, wisdom enough of Mary to sit at Jesus' feet. There was Solomon, the, the wisest man who ever lived. I think Adam probably was the smartest man who ever lived. But uh, Solomon the wisest, that's my own personal opinion on Adam there. Uh, we find it also, then there's the wise men. We want to focus on the wise men. Do you have a wise mentality? And I'm talking about now wise guys or wise acres. I'm going to talk about those things. I'm talking about wise men and women and boys and girls. Now there are still, there's a, there's a track, I don't know if I have it in my pocket, but there it says, wise men still seek him. And that's true. That is a good truth to that. Wise men still seek the Savior. 
Uh, we know, though, that he also, for the Son of Man, has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And so he came to us. He came for the world to be born that we might have life. He is seeking you. And if you're here this morning, you don't know Christ, and you feel that tug on your heart, it's like, you need to trust me. You need to receive Christ. You need to confess your sin. That's the Holy Spirit. You cannot be saved apart from the Holy Spirit's moving in your heart and life. And he's telling you, get right with God. So these men come, the Lord gave them light, and they followed the light, or they responded to the light uh, that they were given. They were wise men, as if you might say it that way, truly wise. But those people, they, they share the qualities, these men who characterized Christians down through the ages. They really gave a lot, sacrificially, to worship the Christ. Four things this morning for jotting down notes. First of all, the wise men, or wise men, still approach him, Chapter 2, verse 1. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. The Magi, the Magi, the, uh, uh, however you want to call it, the Magoi, plural there. We get our word magician from it. Uh, it would be they were they were steeped in philosophy, astronomy, astrology. They were soothsayers. Some were interpreters of dreams. They were greatly interested in these kind of things. I believe, and we'll just skip right to the most important part. That Daniel, when he was placed in Babylon and and Persia, that he trained men in the promises of the Jewish scriptures, and these men carried that promises down. So when these men, when Christ were born, were men who were acquainted with the promise of the Messiah. Numbers chapter 23 or 24 it is with promises that one from Shiloh will come. And, and so Daniel even predicted many things about the Jewish nation. And so these men, likely from Mesopotamia, Arabia we'd call it today, or maybe we'd call it Iraq or Iran, they came from the Babylonian area all the way to Jerusalem to worship the Christ child. Did they follow the star? No. If they had followed the star when they were in the east, they would have gone the wrong direction. They saw the star when they were in the east, and they knew the capital of the Jewish world was Jerusalem. They went to Jerusalem to see the king of the Jews. That's why, you read it earlier in verse 10, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Why? The star appeared again and led them then to Bethlehem. That's why they're rejoicing. They saw the star. Oh, that must be the Messiah. Let us go to Jerusalem, perhaps a thousand miles. It wasn't some little hop, skip, and a jump. I didn't grab an airplane and fly over to Jerusalem. No, they took a long time to get there. But they were wise men. They forded rivers. They, they endured the desert, all the hardships. But they found it worthwhile. I, 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 th- I take my hat off to you today for coming on Christmas morning. A, a lot of you probably had to rearrange your schedules. Someone texted me this morning at 6.30, said they were already up and getting ready to waiting for seven to open gifts with their children. That's wonderful. Our house was quiet. I only have cats. And so perhaps I wasn't sleeping. Perhaps I, was, no, I wasn't still in bed. My head wasn't covered either and all those kind of things. But that's great. So you've rearranged your schedule to be here. Thank you. It's not, you're not coming for me. You're coming. We are all coming. You should be to worship the Savior. I'm just the under-shepherd who wants to lead you or wants to lead in the right direction, but I want you to know I'm here to worship Jesus and to show him that he has a priority. He's not just first. He is to be preeminent in your life in all these things. He's to be first, preeminent. 
it's interesting, 500 years or so, they have been, they have sort of mixed in with the Jewish people. Now, I don't think I'm just speculating here. What do we know? We know the Jews were looking for a Messiah. We know the Magi looked at the stars for guidance and watched the stars. We know the Jews and the Magi and Persia had been intermingled for about 500 years. We know the Magi would notice such a sign, and most likely the Magi had been trained by Daniel going all the way back that time, and they were looking for the sign. That is why when they came, they came right to Jerusalem. Now, we've seen pictures, and we even sang this morning, we three kings, of, and we picture kings traveling on their camels with big cones on top of their heads, etc., and they were just, just the three of them together. That's so far from likely reality. The only way to cross a desert in that time was with a large caravan. They, they likely swept into Jerusalem with great pomp and circumstance. Why was Mr. King Herod and Jerusalem upset? The word means agitated because a large group entourage from the east has come to Jerusalem. Are they wanting to take over? And they immediately get to talk to the king. And so the the city was abuzz with all the things that are happening. So I believe I've seen numbers as high as five to six thousand in the entourage who came to Jerusalem. Now, Pastor Tim, but the the song says, and I've seen, I've seen. Oh, they're not there. I've seen the wise men. I've seen the mangers. I've seen the one you put on Facebook. or There's three of them. That's only because there's three gifts. Why didn't they give them gold, frankincense, myrrh? And they also gave them jelly bellies. They also gave them Reese's peanut butter cup. It, it's possible they gave them more than that. Now, Diet not, Mountain Dew was not created until 1986, so that's out. However, it been a great thing. But those, those three things, we know they gave those. To, oh, there must have been three. Matter of fact, church history has given them names, Balthazar, Caspar, and Melchior. Matter of fact, their three skulls are in a church in Germany in one casket together, if you want to believe that. But that's, that's sort of tradition. What does the Bible say? And we don't even know their names, for real. The Bible doesn't give their names. What does the Bible want us to know about these three kings? Well, oh, they weren't even kings. They were magi. They were People who ran the kings, they were the upper, they were the leaders, they were the caste system that ruled over even most, they, they picked the kings, but they were not the kings. So almost everything you hear and see at Christmas time regarding the wise men, that's about the one thing we get right. They were wise men and they were, why were they smart? They came to worship the Christ child. If you are smart, if you have a wise mentality today, you will worship Christ. He's the only answer. There is no other way. There's, oh, there's a lot of ways, Pastor. I know I've seen them. I look at them. I know there's a lot of ways, but they are going the wrong direction. There's only but one way to heaven. By the way, it is God's heaven. If you want to go to God's heaven, you need to go God's way. And it is through Jesus. He said he is the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And so they came bringing their gifts even today, 2,000 years later, wise men still come to Christ. 
When a person knows the consequences of unbelief and does nothing about it, that person is not, is not living a life based on wisdom. The Bible says in John 8, 24, I said therefore unto you he, that he shall die, ye shall die in your sins. For if ye believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. Proverbs 29, 1, He that being often reproved hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed in that without remedy. Proverbs 9, 12, If thou be wise, thou shalt be wise for thyself, and thou shalt scornest, if thou shalt scornest, thou alone shalt bear it. I learned a long time ago that you never stick your tongue onto a frozen metal pipe. You never put your tongue on there because if you do, you're going to peel the skin right off to get it off. I learned that lesson pretty quick, and I only had to do that once in a minor way. And I, you know what? I'm not doing that again. Not doing that again. The wise men come to Christ. What does the Bible say? The Bible says in Psalm 14.1, The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. It's the wise who come to Christ. Sadly, we are losing the battle. I mentioned just last night in a 2021 Pew Research poll, self-identified Christians was at 63%. Why is that staggering? Because only 10 years earlier in America, it was 75%. We have lost 12% in 10 years of people who identify themselves as Christians, and the nuns, the N-O-N-E-S, is up to 29%. We don't have any religion. 29% in America. This is America where we live. I told them, probably they've already got countries sending missionaries, getting ready to send missionaries over to us. We are the heathen. You know, sometimes we don't want to hear what the truth is sometimes. I need to hear the truth, and you. We need to be praying for our nation. The answer is repentance. The answer is Jesus. The answer is you and I as a church sharing this wonderful light of the gospel of Christ and who he is. That is the answer and Christ can still, there's nothing too hard for him. He can still bring a revival to our land. The wisest moment of my life was when I was six years of age and I had heard the gospel and over and over and the Holy Spirit once more, I'm sitting in that pew in Syersville. He says, listen, Tim, you need to trust me as Savior. The chalk artist was depicting so clearly Jesus dying for me. I said, it's time. And right there in my pew, I received Christ as my personal Savior. Now, I did not go forward after the service, but the very next morning, I was in the kitchen by the refrigerator. I said, Mom, I want you to know last night I asked Jesus to come into my heart and life and be my Savior. Woohoo! Praise the Lord. That's, that's the most important decision I ever made. Next important decision, most important was marrying my wife, but the first important decision for anyone is to receive Christ as your very own personal Lord and Savior. The greatest day of anyone's life is when that Holy Spirit, he opens the dead sinner's eyes and he said, you know what? It is me. I, 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 did, I said some unkind word, I can't believe it or not, uh, to my cat uh, this week. And I, I, don't, I, said, I said, you know, I'm not an ogre. I thought, you, you know, well, maybe I am an ogre toward them. I, you, you just, sometimes you just take a step back and, you know, well, maybe I am that. You know, uh, it's like last Sunday before the cantata, you know. They said, uh, and one person in the choir said, graciously said, I just can't hear so well. And I said, I wonder if I'm still playing too loud. So before the cantata, I said, now, can you hear this? Yes. Softer, can you hear that? And I played so, can you still hear that? Yeah, we can still hear it. Ooh, I'm playing way too loud then. And so 
very humbling, but it's true. Sometimes we just need to hear the truth. And the choir was, I even got a sign on my piano now, play softly. We love you, play softly. And so there we go. So a gentle reminder. And sometimes I will send you a gentle reminder that we're doing this or a gentle reminder to bring this. And that's, we have to face up. I'm a sinner, but I'm saved by God's marvelous grace. And you are a sinner as well. And he longs to save you, to redeem you from your life of sin. And the true joy is in serving Jesus. Did you read the devotion this morning? It's joy unspeakable and full of glory. It's like, wow. It, it's just, it, it's, he, and he summed it up. They said, it's like, all we can do is whisper, thank you, Jesus, for coming for me. Do you realize what he gave up? that you might have life everlasting. So the wise men still approach him. Secondly, the wise men still adore him. In verse 2, we have come to worship him. Verse 11, and when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary's mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. The wise men tell Herod that he is, where is he born king of the Jews? Now you would think that in possibly a year and a half's time that Jerusalem would be a buzz that a new king has been born, king of the Jews. But remember, Harold is a maniacal, he's insane. He's insanely jealous. He married nine times to have a, to, for a lustful ideology and to gain political power. He killed one of his own wives. He killed two of his brothers. He killed one of his sons five days before he died. He he cordoned off a bunch of the nobles and would have them killed when he died so there would be mourning in Jerusalem because nobody liked Herod. He was only Herod the Great because he and Mark Antony were friends because he supported Mark Antony against Octavian and the Roman Senate gave to Herod, Herod the Great. The Bible never calls such a heinous man the Great. But he was, he was one who was alive when Christ was born. His son was alive when Christ died, Herod Antipas. We find then that he is in charge and he wants to know, where, where is he born king, king of the Jews? You know, if we take a brief inventory, there's ample reason for us to worship as well. What he's done for us, what he's doing in our lives, what he's promised to do. The Lord hath done great things for us. Thereof, whereof we are glad. He has done great things for you. This is just a moment in your history of your life, the 70, 80, 90, perhaps even 100 years that you live here on earth, is just like a little, a little bit of dust on, eterni- on the line of eternity. But during this little bit of dust, you must decide where you're spending your eternity. It's either going to be with Jesus or apart from him. And I can just tell you, apart from him is not a good idea. It's going to be a place of torment and suffering, which hardly anyone even wants to mention the word hell anymore. But it's just as real as heaven. Matter of fact, Christ talked of hell twice as much as he did of heaven. If you're wise, will wise men still approach him? Wise men still adore him? And thirdly, wise men still adorn him. And they gave him gifts, gold, silver, uh, not silver, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The gold stands for potentate, if you would. A lot of the countries approach a king and have a gift. Even, and I told you different times in, in Europe, when you preach for the pastor, you must give the pastor a gift for him to allow you to speak. In America, you speak, and oftentimes an evangelist comes and we give them a gift for speaking to us. And, and that in Moldova, you had to give a gift to the pastor for him letting you speak for him. And so it's a little, when you come to the king, 
we should offer the very best. And they offer this gold, fitting that a king would receive gold. It's a symbol of divinity. It's foretelling of what Jesus will one day be as he rules and to reign. Also, they're going to need money to go down to Egypt here shortly. And so it would provide the money that Mary and Joseph need to go down to Egypt. Second was frankincense. Jesus as priest. If you read the word frankincense, you'll discover it's a priestly gift used in the worship of the temple. They would take a tree and they would cut the bark. and sort of like a maple syrup. They would get that sap out of it and become a white resin. And that was a sweet-smelling fragrance. The Bible says that he is a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. That is our high priest. He's permanent. He's powerful. And he procures entrance for us into the presence of God. That is our high priest. Thirdly, there is propitiation, the myrrh, from Arabia, also possibly gathered from a tree. It was used to embalm bodies. uh, uh, But he then came to die for sinners. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of of God in him. The myrrh to propitiate, to be the satisfaction, if you would, the sacrifice of his love for us. For God so loved the world, but God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. If you're not a sinner, he didn't die for you. So, hey, I'm a sinner. And he died for me. Praise the Lord. Have you received that gift? I wrapped my wife's gifts uh, two days ago or Friday, Friday, put them all in big boxes there together, and I'd come over them up, and, and they're for her. Now, today, after lunch, sometime after lunch, she has the option of rejecting those gifts. <laughs> I don't think it will happen. Or opening those gifts, which I think probably will happen. The same is with salvation. You have the choice. He's given you, God does not want automatons or robots. He wants you to choose to serve Him, to work, to love Him, to receive Him as your Savior. He came to provide the way of salvation. A true story is told in Liverpool, England, of what was called the Sailor's Home. It was, it was a motel for sailors. They would stay there, and people, a fire started, and people started to assemble. Someone bring a ladder, and they brought the ladder, and they could hear the sailors crying out for help, and the ladder reached just about five feet short It couldn't get up there, so one of the sailors climbed to the top of the ladder, put his feet on the top rung, grabbed hold of the window sill, and said, hurry up, man, scramble down my body, and be saved. And they all were able to scramble down his body, and when they brought him back down, face was burned, hands were blistered, hair was singed. But he became the way between death and life. Christ came all the way. It's not like, well, I've got my hand three quarters of the way up there. and all he has to, No, he has to come all the way. There's no way you and I can ever deserve or earn his salvation. He, just, he loves us because of his grace given to us. He wants to be your Savior. That's why he came. Since early history of mankind, if we've tried to, to reach on our own efforts, whether it's whether you give $50 million to some, whatever it is, or you, you, earn, you, give the, you crawl across the desert on your hands and knees, or do all these different things, or whip yourself in the back, or build a tower of Babel, or bring fruit instead of a blood sacrifice in Genesis chapter 3, if you, or 4, if you bring those things, if, we've all been trying Whether you're Joseph Smith, who somehow comes up with this really elaborate scheme to get people to follow him, or Jehovah's Witnesses, or people who want to do their own things, or 
Muhammad, who's been so successful at getting people to follow, 1.4 billion people follow the Muhammad religion. Very successful. They've been trying to find some way around Jesus. I mean, I want to go my way. I want to get this way. But do you understand? I've said it before. I, I know you're, you're the, like, the same old things you've said. If it is truly about the Bible, it'll be Christianity. If it's not Christianity, it's false religion. It's that simple. If they truly believe Christ was the way, they would bow and kneel and become Christians and serve Him that way. So all these other religions are have something off-kelter, if you would, regarding the Christ. Myrrh. Frankincense and myrrh. The very best. We should give Him our love, our worship, our attention, our ties, our praise, our glory. We should give Him our heart. The best that we have. So often I think that we as Christians, we're giving him leftovers. If I have time, if I have any money left by Saturday night, I'll give some in the offering. Or if, I will, if I'm not too busy, then I will do that. I might get involved with something. If it doesn't cost me too much, shame on me and shame on you. If you've gotten that mindset, he should be first in everything. How much time do you spend reading the Bible and good Christian literature versus watching the TV? On internet, scrolling down through Facebook. Oh, did you say something? Oh, our world walks around like this. Now here's where we are. You bump into people. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Well, the greatest detriments to our society has been the cell phone. That's my personal opinion. We don't know how to interact with people. Do you know how to respond? When someone asks you a question, do you know how to go to job interview, what you're supposed to say? Do you know how to, uh, 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 I never, uh, I'm, I'm not, I'm trying to say Jesus should be first. He needs to be first. He should be first. The people are looking at us to see if Christianity really makes a difference. I'm telling you, if there was three or 30 or 300 or 3,000, they had it right. They travel for maybe a year. How many of us would travel an hour? Oh, it's a long way to church. <gasps> an hour? I remember Stephanie and I used to travel. I was almost an hour down to North Carolina where we pastored. It, is, we, it, it gets shorter. It, 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 you talk with God. You listen to good music. Talk back and forth. If God's call, Why are we not willing to sacrifice a little bit of ourselves? Now, I'm, I know I'm preaching to some in the choir because you're here, etc., but don't give, don't, it's not time to, to quit. Our, our, our world today, our Christian world is, well, watch me worship. Woohoo, watch me. Ah, I can sing. I can do that. And clap for me. Whoa. And they come up to the stage and, woo, they start screaming. Whoa, it's a Christian artist. I, I, have we got something wrong? I'm not boohooing Christian artists. I'm boohooing if we're going to worship. Worship is on your face, on your knees. <laughs> Worshiping God. Any other worship is wrong. And then there's self-worship. We have a lot of self-worship. I got a hair on my head. Woohoo! Look at my new Facebook. Look at here. That's not Tim. That's not Pastor Tim because he's got hair on his head. It's about somebody else. See, see. Do you see we've been distracted? Just a little. Not everybody. Our world has. We are to have sacrificial. Simple, selfless adoration. 
wise men approach him, adore him, adorn him, and closing, acknowledge him in verse 12. Verse 12, and being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. That verse is often left out, and I was just thinking as I was studying this week, in a dream, now you can't say with apodictic certainty, and it's not true, that every single person who received a dream from God in the Bible was a Christian. I, I don't think it, uh, Abimelech and Genesis 20, etc. But typically in the Christmas story, I can tell you, I, I've, looked, I've been thinking about this, the dreams, there's at least four dreams in the first two chapters of, of Matthew. Everybody that got a dream was on Jesus' side. Everybody got the dream? Joseph, 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 and the wise men. They're on Jesus' side. So being warned of a dream, I'm telling you, these were believers. These men believed in Jesus, the Messiah. How do we know? They worshipped Him. The woman taken adultery. Lord. Remember how they say? It's an attitude of worship. They worshipped Him. I wanted this morning, if they looked at my life, in your life, what is it that we worship? There's so many running to and fro looking for the answers to life's questions. What about this? What about this? I'm telling you, the answer is right here. If you avail yourself to it, it's right here. There's such, there is, we have a Christianity in America that is a mile wide and an inch deep. We need to be a mile deep and an inch wide. Anyway. We need to be studying. Mr. Womack tells us over and over when he prays, when he talks about, we need to put the Lord first. We need to be about his business. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. What are you about? They departed unto, uh, to their own country another way. And that is the principle. I like the principle of 2 Corinthians 5.17. If you have truly been born again, there's a difference. You are a, a new creature in Christ. They went another way. They have been changed. They have seen the Christ child don't you think that their journey home was a lot shorter than the journey over? <laughs> We've seen it. I've seen the Christ. Woohoo! Maybe the camel's like, in fact, we're going to kick him out. Maybe only 10 months to get home instead of 12. Woohoo! Let's go. Let's tell, let's tell everybody about what we have seen. We're supposed to tell about what we've seen. We don't tell, and we're, the things we're not supposed to tell, we seem to like to blabber about. Just, just saying, he wants us to tell. Do we not have a wonderful Savior? It's a wise mentality. And if you've never received Christ as Savior, you're here this morning, or you're listening online, or you're listening at some point in the future, you need to receive him. That is why he came. He will save you if you will but call. Repent of your sin. Say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I, I know you died. On the, I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you were buried and rose again. And I believe you're coming back. I believe you're the Son of God. Please, I repent of my sin. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart and life and be my Lord and Savior. And then act upon that. It's not just enough to know. Herod even believed, if you read the story, that the Christ child, the Messiah, had been born because he says in our text, it's interesting, he says in verse, I was just reading this morning, Verse 4, and when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where? Christ. The wise men didn't mention Christ. Where is he that's born king of the Jews? Herod says, where is the Christ born? He knew.
But he was so... Why did he ask when you saw a star? So he would know how young to go down to kill all the children in Bethlehem. That's why he asked. Oh, let me worship Balonium. That, the biggest lie of history, just about. Oh, let me come. And I, no, what you wanted to do was go and kill them all so no one could perceive. And he dies shortly. A, a year or two later, I'm almost certain, a year or two later after this, he dies. He, he's not like he's some baby who's going to have uh, people usurping his throne. He's killed everybody. There's nobody left. Satan at work again. I'll unhook my wagon right there. But do you know the Christ? It's a wise mentality that worships him. If you reject him in this life, he will say to you, depart from me, you that work iniquity. And he will be forced, because of your rejection, to cast you into eternity apart from him. But he's offering you this morning salvation if you'll come. Let's heads are bowed, eyes are closed, please. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Thank you for your attention today. Perhaps this morning you are here or you're listening online and you do not know the Christ. I can think of no better day than his birthday to receive him. Perhaps for the very first time or perhaps for the thousandth time you've come to the realization that you have never made, uh, you've never made your peace, if you want to call it that, with God. You don't have the peace of God because you don't know the Prince of Peace. He came to offer himself and we celebrate this very day his incarnation. Not that he was created or just came into being, no, but that he left heaven and was incarnated into the womb, put into the place, into the womb of a woman, and then was born nine months later, and he became one of us. He cried. He had to have his diaper changed. He had all these things. Yet all that time he was upholding all things by the word of his power. So that's the Savior. If you've never received him, would you today? Lord, help us to think clearly. May we be about your business. May we have a wise mentality toward the things of you. May we get on fire to serve you. Maybe it means starting reading our Bibles daily, being faithful or praying or attending church or or telling others. Whatever it is you've prompted us this morning, may we respond. May we simply not just see the need and pass on by like the Levite and the priest in the Good Samaritan story. We're working our hearts, and if there's a need, may we respond. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.